Welcome to Illegal Double Team. We are Jonathan and Christina Snowden, and we love professional wrestling. We do, even in the time of coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's gotten weird, hasn't it? It has gotten really, really weird. It's a little over two weeks since we've done a podcast, and it is just plain a different world. It really is. Like, So we were going to do one even just last week, and we mm-hmm. were taking questions, and it was just normal questions. Mm-hmm. Just wrestling a normal questions. world. Yeah, it 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 has really been a- absolutely crazy. It, this is how quickly things changed. The last time we were sitting here about doing this podcast, we were you and I were predicting the New Japan Cup winners mm-hmm. and Revolution getting ready for Revolution with no thoughts whatsoever about will this be an empty arena pay per view? You know, will people be able to go? Will they even be able to have it? No, it was just like there's going to be a pay per view. There was even another pay per view after Revolution Elimination Chamber. No thoughts whatsoever that there wouldn't be a pay-per-view. And now we're here. I mean, this this is probably the craziest thing that's ever happened in my life. And I'm pretty old. <laughs> no, seriously, I'm pretty old. And this is probably right after 9-11, the craziest thing that's happened in my life. Yeah, it's a... Uh... And we're just starting. Yeah, we're really just starting. I mean, as of today, I was a, I went to work today. This this is only the kids' uh, second day out of school, but I I predict that it's going to be the second out of many. Yeah, so I I've, I have the equipment now to to do telework. So we'll start that next week. So life will be will be changing for all of us. We'll all be at home. Um, yeah, it just comes at you quick. Yeah, and so like I said, about uh, two and a half weeks ago, we were recording and we were talking about revolution. So. Revolution happened. We still haven't got a chance to talk about it. What'd you think? Uh, I loved it, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I loved it, but I will stand by what I said earlier. If I had to miss a pay-per-view live, I'm okay that it was that one. Really? Yeah, even after seeing it and enjoying it and it having like one of my favorite matches ever on it in the tag match. I think I'm still okay that that's the one I missed. Yeah. So, I mean, the tag match between uh, Kenny Omega and Adam Page and the Young Bucks was uh, phenomenal. Yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, but I, I agree with you that uh, it, it was a good TV match. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and AEW is a good TV product. So, like, you know, as, as fun as it's been, like before this, we had been to every one of them live. Um I don't know. I think it, it was it was fun to watch on pay per view too. So um. yeah, and honestly, I have to say, I am much happier that I got to see Cody's cage match live than than I am, you know, being worried about you know missing this pay per view live. I, I think that was a good trade off, actually. Well, I'm glad it worked out. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, we were sitting here predicting uh, New Japan Cup, and that was kind of really the first domino in our personal coronavirus. Um, what adventure? Oh, it's <laughs> it sh- adventure? shocking to find out that Yano was going to win, but then he didn't <laughs> uh, because of the coronavirus. So damn virus. <laughs> I mean, that I'd be honest, that is that's kind of the first thing that really like made me realize like, oh, crap, this is serious. Oh, right. Yeah. Because like, this I mean, is a whole country shutting down. We weren't even thinking about it. No one not was really. thinking about I it. I was not considering the fact that the events would have to be canceled and people wouldn't be able to travel that I, you know, I was, that's not, wasn't really on my radar. Now, of course, not to make it a political podcast, but it turns out that our 
leaders in Congress and in, in, in the Oval Office knew well in months ago. It's true. Maybe that this I, was going to be serious. Maybe I should have known but, that uh, it that it was more serious. We did but not. Honestly, canceling the New Japan Cup first the 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 first week and then eventually them having to say no, it's going to be all of March that's canceled. Like that was really, I think the the thing that made me realize, like, oh, I should probably pay attention to this. And obviously, we know how quickly it went from you know, something being canceled in Japan to everything being canceled in this country. Yeah, I mean, and it has a, a huge impact on, on wrestling, um, every sport, but wrestling in particular, like the Super Bowl of wrestling was mm-hmm. is WrestleMania, and it looks like that's, if not canceled, as a spectator event, it's going to be canceled. Yeah. And, and, and all of the associated events that go along with it now, which is basically a, a way that a lot of the independent wrestlers uh, make a, make money. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, these are their biggest events. It's their Super Bowl too, really. Right. And um, selfishly, you know, I was scheduled to go to WrestleMania. Right. So uh, yeah, it's, it impacts everybody. And, and you know, that's a, a minimal impact, I guess, you know, that I'm not going to be able to go to WrestleMania. But, right. you know, it's just one of a uh, domino effect of things that, uh, you know, kind of makes life different. Yeah. And, and now week to week, show to show we're basically um you know having to think about are these shows going to take place are they going to have an audience and how long can they possibly keep this up well anyway we'll move right into our top five because they're still wrestling because they're still wrestling and i guess i'm still watching it no we definitely are so (laughs) let's do it five four three two one fire Number five uh, was actually a bit of shoulder programming. It was uh, being the elite. And I'm going to give you a number because it's 194 because it wasn't this past week. It was the week before last. Okay. Um, And that I just thought to me, like, I watched it. I got to the end of it and I realized, man, I'm sitting here by myself watching it because you were at work and we were trying to get everything We thought we were going to record a podcast and we were trying to make sure we watched, you know, everything we normally watch. And I just realized, like, I just sat here and, like, laughed out loud by myself for, like, 11 minutes or however (laughs) long it was. I was like, this is a this is a this was a really good episode. And um, yeah, they definitely uh, have got a spark back. You know, there was a time and and they even admitted this. I Sure. And when when I interviewed them for an interview that hasn't come out yet, but, um, (laughs) you know, just the that, you know, they're kind of got busy with doing a real sure, tv show sure, I understand. and so like it was hard for them to uh to find the creative juices to to keep this going in quite the way they had but it seems like they've kind of uh been re-energized yeah and um so this introduced a couple of things that i i actually really enjoyed um it introduced a, a little growing animosity between Colt Cabana and Kenny Omega which like if you know you if you know me if right. you've listened to the podcast like these are two guys that amuse me to just know in. I mean, I, I can't even hardly look at them without being amused. Like, I find them very, very funny. And so working together and then possibly that eventually coming into the ring, you know, that's that's kind of like a, a kind of dream match of mine, basically a dream feud of mine, um, because I, I absolutely know that it's going to just like amuse me to my core so i was actually really um i was really happy to see that 
that they like kind of immediately gravitated towards each other. And they kept that alive in the next being the elite as well. Yeah. And I think it's going to be an ongoing skit and maybe it'll end in like a dark match between <laughs> Kenny and Colt, a comedy match of some kind. Like, I think that would be a, the, the perfect way, but Colt Cabana, if you, you don't know, like he's a longtime stalwart of the independent wrestling scene. And when you talk to um, Matt and Nick Jackson and all these guys, like he's basically, um, created the the concepts almost that they've taken to the next level like the idea of having like a podcast mm-hmm. and doing a, a travelogue right and and kind of opening your life up to to the fans um that that was colt cabana first you know selling the t-shirts and, and developing this real personal relationship with the audience um they, they credit him big time for you know him being the example that they followed and then of course being the elite i think took it to a, a different level uh, of popularity and and maybe even like creativity um, because they have so many people involved in it like right. you know there's a lot of creative uh, flow there so but uh so i guess that's a long way of saying that colt's a good fit yeah for I, this. I think yeah he's he's a really good fit for being the elite i think he's a good fit um for AEW and and I also just think of all the different roles that he can play. Like he's been around so long, um, so he can help to mentor a lot of the guys there. Also, he's a great announcer. He really so, is. Yeah. So I mean, I, I you know, I'm I'm imagining the times when he can fill in on the different products, and eventually, post coronavirus, I believe they're supposed to start a second show. So. Um, you know, they, they have, he's there for announcing talent as well. And, um, they've and like then really I look forward to quietly, seeing him in the ring. Uh, built up a, a solid core of announcers. Yeah. Like, they got so many now they don't know what to do with them. Right. Cause I mean, uh, there was a time where like a lot of people considered like Taz, the top color commentary guy in wrestling. And now you've got him there and you've got Tony and Jim Ross and Excalibur is great. And now Colt Cabana, we loved him on mm-hmm. ring of honor. And so, um, yeah, I don't know how it'll all shake out. But uh, I guess that's not a bad thing to have too much talent. No, probably not. And then it's also introduced, this being the elite, also introduced the idea of a loser's locker room. <laughs> I love that idea. Yes. I mean, it cracked me up. They have um, a handful of wrestlers, male and female, who have no wins. And honestly, I hadn't really thought about it. Like, it had never crossed my mind that there were a handful of wrestlers who, in fact, had no wins in AEW. But there are. There's Brandon Cutler. There's um, Peter Avalon, the librarian. And then Michael Nakazawa, if you don't count his Fighter Fest win over Jeb Bailey. Is that his name? Yeah, Alex Bailey. Yeah, Alex Bailey. CEO uh, Gaming, right? Yeah. And so... Which was a fun match I liked. Yeah. And, and so, um, you know, they, they introduced this idea that they kind of hang out in like a loser's locker room right. and they're all desperately trying to be the one that gets that first win. So this is what I love about AEW is that you can take Peter Avalon, the librarian, and you can take Brandon Cutler, um, self-admitted basically job guys. And, uh, they're building a feud yes. on this program that is going to pay off in a match that people care about. Like, yes. isn't that great? I yeah. love it. I mean, eventually they're going to have to face each other and somebody is going to get a win. Somebody's O has got to go. <laughs> Only the O is on the other side of the... <laughs> All right, number four. Um, this is the first, I guess it was the match between Daniel Bryan and Drew Gulak at Elimination Chamber, uh, which I loved. Um, but then that turned into something more. Um, Daniel Bryan decided that, um, well, he was shocked 
really, to see that that he did have holes in his offense, as Drew Gulag had pointed out. And he decided that um, perhaps he could be a better wrestler if he worked with Drew Gulak to improve. So now they have kind of a sensei relationship going on where Drew Gulak is helping him to fill those holes in his offense and, and improve his skills. And they've carried it. They have, they're working together not only on the shows, which you know have been a little weird since they've had to go no audience, but we, we did get uh, a, we got a, a match uh, with them, not against each other, but uh, with Drew Gulag uh, coaching Daniel Bryan uh, on one of the no audience shows. And then it has spilled into social media where you know Daniel Bryan is looking uh, to Drew to help him with his training, especially now that they're all kind of confined to home when they, when they don't have like a, a show at the performance center. Yeah. I'm looking forward to see what they do with that. Uh, WWE over the years has had some classic training skits. Like the, <laughs> the, the very best one, uh, of course is shaming man training fence for, for a match with stone cold. But uh, I'm, I'm curious to see what these guys come up with, but also their match on pay-per-view was one of the better, uh, if not the best WWE match of the year, I thought like, uh, uh, for my taste, it was, yeah, yeah. it was really, really tremendous. So it's, uh, it's nice that with Brian, um, has said that he's winding down his full-time career as a wrestler. Um, his contract's running out soon and and he's basically all but saying like, I'm not going to be a full-time wrestler anymore after this. And so it's, it's nice that they're kind of like allowing him to kind of pick his shots at the Mm -hmm. end here. And, um, uh, he's able to shine the the spotlight that that shines on him. He's able to share it with talent yeah. talent like Gulak that uh, have maybe not seen the time in in the sun that they should have. Right. And so uh, I think it's cool of him to do this, and uh, it's uh, paid off for the audience because I thought that that was not only a match that we enjoyed as like internet fans, but it also was one of the better received matches with the live crowd. And so um, maybe just maybe if you let guys do things they're interested in and that they're passionate about, mm-hmm. uh, that might pay off for you. <laughs> well, I know it'll entertain me. <laughs> uh, number three, we picked Joey Janela mm-hmm. on commentary um, on Game Changer Wrestling Acid Cup 2. This was a two-day, 16-man tournament that streamed live on independent wrestling TV. Yeah. So now the tournament was fun. Yeah, it was great. It, it, it was a lot of fun, but another kind of empty arena show or empty, oh, empty bar show, empty bar show. That's right. And, th- and there were some really great matches on there. So if you have independent wrestling TV and you didn't watch it uh, live, like we did just, it, it's on there for replay, so go check it out. And they've also, a, a GCW has signed a multi-event deal with independent wrestling television, which is kind of big because yes. previously GCW had mostly, their their original programming had been on Fight TV at a pay-per-view cost. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, now it's part of IWTV uh, at their normal cost. So like that's, if you're a cheapskate like me, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a pretty big deal. So uh, I was really pleased to see that. Yeah, they have uh, fantastic shows. I always enjoy their shows. and uh, But the real, I mean... I think the revelation here was uh, a little off his gourd Joey Janela doing commentary for both nights. Yeah, Joey Janela was doing his best Joey Styles, a one-man commentary booth. And, uh, his. I wouldn't say they were similar. No, besides <laughs> just being an individual, one person calling it. But like J- Joey, it, it's similar in the sense that his enthusiasm was 
um, yes. was, was like kind of infectious. And I like the way that, um, someone compared him on Twitter to Vince McMahon. If Vince McMahon knew any of the moves, <laughs> um, because uh, it's the same level of kind of like yes. uh, he's there for the product. Uh, and mo- in, in a lot of ways, it's, I guess, similar to Vince in that Vince was really excited about the product as the announcer because he w- it was his product. Right. And I think there's probably yes. there's some of that with Joey Janela and GCW as he's one of the creative forces there. Um, so, yeah, this is kind of like his baby, uh, yes. him and some some others. But, you know, he's he's one of the, the guys behind it. And so um, you can feel his love for it mm-hmm. come through. And, and along with the dick jokes and stuff. Oh yeah, and but and you could also, um, he reminded us throughout the two days what what these guys that guys and gal because th- there was a woman in the tournament, um, you know what they were missing by missing these mania shows, where a lot of these guys were gonna get, you know, once in a lifetime possibly opportunities to wrestle against, um, you know, people from uh, New Japan. Uh, talent from the ring of honor roster like names much bigger than theirs that where they would have been able to to learn in the ring and really get you know kind of you know get the spotlight shined on them for a minute because uh, you know some of these guys were supposed to be across the ring from AEW talent they were supposed to be across the ring from will osprey you know and those chances are just gone and you know we can all hope that in a year's time there's another wrestlemania and all this is back to normal but whether or not those opportunities will still be there for some of these guys, um, you just don't know. Because honestly, you know, is it somebody else going to take their place? Is somebody else going to jump ahead and get those opportunities? Are they even going to be in a position where they can still be a wrestler in right. a year? No, yeah. I mean, that's the, so that's what I, it's going to come down to eventually is that like some of these people may have to stop and get a job, you know, uh, assuming there is a job. Uh, you know, that's how kind of fraught the situation yeah, is. Well, like These were two empty bar, not arena, but empty bar shows. Um, and, and they had an Indiegogo um, fundraiser up um, with 100% of the money going to the wrestlers who were participating. So, you know, if you enjoy, if you watch and enjoy the shows, you know, donate what you can if you if you're in a position right now right. to be able to help somebody so yeah we were able to give some and then i saw that they had already um got over ten thousand dollars which is a uh, double their goal so they're doing really well um but of course more is better because right. it's not just for this one show it's for uh these people are missing basically their livelihood is gone mm-hmm. uh, and like anybody else who has lost their job or been laid off or been sent home uh, you know, if if you're in one of these cities where they've told people you can't go out at all, like the, an opportunity to do a show and ask, you know, for people that might not even be there next week. Like they were able to put this together this week because they're not on a complete lockdown. Right. But, you but know, that might not be the case next week. And there just be maybe no opportunity to provide any product at all. Well, I, I was happy to do what we could. And then um really happy with the two nights of shows that yeah, were very it was, entertaining. It was a great tournament. I, I, I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I really like what I got to see some indie wrestlers that I've come to enjoy the last few months. I saw Chris Dickinson was in, Nick Gage, uh Blake Christian, and I also got to see some people I've not really seen before. 
um, because, you know, I don't, I can't consume all the indie wrestling that there is. Right. Um, but, you know, this Benjamin Carter, who was making his debut for Game Changer, um, who was, who's like a real springy work rate guy, which is like my kind of wrestling. Right. And then they had my kind of wrestler, which was this guy Manders, who's like a giant cowboy yeah. looking dude. And um, not like a cowboy like Hangman Page, but like look like maybe he really rustled some steer. Yeah, like a Stan Hansen <laughs> kind of cowboy character. And uh, yeah, so that I was uh, I was really into that. And then um, it, uh, it it was a good like package like mm-hmm. of, of talent where it's like a mix of various different kinds of wrestling, which is, uh, you know, something I like. It, I've complained about it before, but I think a lot of times like with the indie shows, it'll be like too much of the too same. Too much of the same. So I like the differentiation mm-hmm. uh, that GCW had here. And um, I don't know, I, IWTV just generally is uh, tends to present a, a really good product and I, I'm happy to support them. I think they I do think a good I job. Would, I, seriously, I'd be remiss though if I didn't mention the social distancing match. Oh, we had Janella and... Uh, uh, Joey Janella and Jimmy fucking Lloyd. <laughs> this, um, so... You know, if you're if you've if you're a fan of the um, more fringe stuff, the stuff that apparently drives Jim Cornette insane, like the Invisible Man or wrestling a blow up doll, like well then this is your thing though because this was great. Um, the basic premise is that you have to stand six feet apart, so they managed to put on an extremely physical match while being six feet apart. Yes, so they did all the pantomiming of a wrestling match without ever actually touching each other, coming near each other, but like, you know, one of them. expert timing. Oh, it was great. So one of them would do like the mechanisms of a hip toss and the other one would take the bump, even though they were six feet apart. Um, I hope that I explained it. Okay. Well, if, if not, if you, if you think it's at all your thing, then it's on the second night of this acid cub two tournament. For me, I thought it was fantastic. I thought they did an incredible job. Yeah. The timing was great. It was funny. Um, well done all around. That was a good. All right, number two, also from AEW Shoulder Programming. And this was the skits that I I think were both part of Road 2, their Road 2 program. Um, It was basically a show within a show, The Librarians. Yeah, it kind of had this eerie, like, um, X-Files kind of feel to it. Yeah, well, there was actually a show, I believe, called The Librarians. Um, I think it had like Noah Wiley from ER. Oh, interesting. I think my mom watched it. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) I'm not familiar with it. I'm not that old yet, but maybe I'll get there. Um, Yeah. So, but this was like one of those things that it was like, you know, lit like a professional uh, shoot. Yeah, it was really well done. Yeah, it was cool. And, and uh, I, you know. So they were chasing down a mystery. Yes. The mystery of the exalted one. Yes. Yes. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of criticism since the the beginning of AEW about the librarians characters, um, people didn't like them. Uh, and yet they continue to present them, but yet this is the first time I think that, um, it's really been utilized really super well. Like these two did a great job, Peter Avalon and and Leva Bates, who both I think are, are, are good performers. Like I, I think they, they add something to the show. So I think the instincts were correct by the AEW folks to keep them around. And this was like one of the payoffs. I thought this was really cool. And in, in theory, it's a, a gimmick they can continue to use. Like when they have another mystery, when they have another mystery, or they can, there's always mystery. Of course. And wrestling. so what they can bring back the librarian show. And uh, I, I thought it was uh, for wrestling well acted and and the production value was really high and it, it was, it was cool. Yeah, I, I did. I, I, my immediate thought was, well, 
you know, this mystery of the exalted one, it's going to be solved really soon. But I certainly hope that they come back to this concept the next time, you know, somebody gets run over in the parking lot, since that seems to be a favorite mystery of wrestling programs everywhere. All right. So they, they totally nailed it. So I, I think they deserve another opportunity. And number one was this week's AEW Dynamite, their first attempt at the completely necessary empty arena show. Yeah, this was tremendous. I mean, this was tough. I was scared going in because we'd watched the performance, the WWE shows from the Performance Center, and and quite honestly, they were a little tough to watch. Yeah, they've and, been mostly lousy. And I, you know, I actually kind of because the live wrestling um, and the promos on those shows were kind of cringy and 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 not super great. I sort of liked their concept of putting a pay-per-view match replaying a pay-per-view match in the middle of the show because my thought was my god if they have to fill three hours or even two hours with this like oh yeah that would have been brutal it would just be unwatchable yeah so going into dynamite i was extremely nervous yeah but i i thought that they did a a a really great job and and part of the reason i was nervous about dynamite is that the the audience interaction with the wrestlers on AEW, like the, the, there's such a passion yes. for the product. The crowd is so hot always, all, everywhere, every, all the time. Every week. And so it's, uh, I, I thought, you know, sometimes it feels like WWE shows are always performed in an empty arena. <laughs> it can. It and, you can. know, if it's not a good one. But AEW is very much the opposite in which like the, the, the connection between the wrestlers and the fans is a, such a huge part of it. Um, I, I was worried that they missing that they would be missing like the heartbeat of the show. And instead, uh, it didn't feel that way at all. It felt so intimate. Like mm-hmm. to them, uh, some of the choices they made were, were really smart. Uh, I don't know if they had watched the WWE show and seen where it had messed up, but like the fact that they darkened the arena, the fact that they uh, changed the camera angles a little bit mm-hmm. so that they were focused, that hard camera was on the stage and not into an empty seats. Right. And, um, and then the fact that they brought the baby face and the heel wrestlers out to be the audience and, mm-hmm. and make noise and scream and stuff like all those things combined um, made the energy of this show very different than the WWE show. Yeah. And they kept their commentary team. Yes. They brought out a full commentary team and they just did commentary like you normally would. Um, you know, what part of what the WWE shows felt like was that they were just killing time. Yes. Definitely. And, and unfortunately I don't think that we're in a position to simply, it's not going to be a couple of weeks of killing time. I think that this is the new normal for a while. And so you're going to have to get this right. If you're going to keep having shows, you're going to have to figure out how to do it um, without a live audience. And I felt like that AEW um, with this dynamite, they kind of figured it out right from the get go. Yeah, so and they also had the advantage of um, they they made it a knockout show in right. the sense that so they didn't just have they it opened with a tremendous promo from Cody then then the the elite came out and and everyone did a bang up job mm-hmm. but really like uh, they had the two big reveals right I suppose it's it's been long enough it's not a spoiler right well we can say spoiler alert but we're gonna tell you anyway yeah so they uh they revealed the exalted one after months and months of teasing and it was Brody lee aka luke carper from wwe um so that was a big a big shocking reveal 
um, shocking in quote marks because I think a lot, a lot of people had thought <laughs> right. it would he be was him. definitely one of the guests. Yes, for and, sure. And then the other one, the other question mark, the other potentially exalted one was Matt Hardy, and he showed up at, at the end mm-hmm. as not as part of the Dark Order, right? But as a, a, a temporary, perhaps member of the elite, who's going to join the team uh, against the the inner circle Mm -hmm. in the blood and guts match whenever that does take place. Yeah. And we did hear tonight, right before we started to record that, um, blood and guts will not be next week. Um, they just don't, this is just not the right atmosphere to try to, to put on this, uh, gigantic gimmick match. Right. And Um, also like, so where they filmed this, uh, um, at Daly's place in Jacksonville, we've been to that, uh, arena a a couple of times mm -hmm. now. And, I don't know the measurements, but right. just eyeballing it, I don't think they could no. fit two rings in a cage there. I, I don't think they could either. And as people pointed out, since it's open air, it might be difficult to raise and lower oh, yeah. a, what, a giant you double cage. You'd have to have an entirely separate third ring for, for other matches. And also, I'm not sure they can continue using that venue. I think they probably won't be there for the remainder of their shows. So, yeah. So it was really unclear, like uh, whether they were going to be able to have that one. Cause Mm -hmm. I know that the, the city had shut down, uh, that facility, uh, for public events. Right. So, you know, it depends on how you, how you do that. And then they were building a a testing, a drive-through testing, coronavirus testing facility in the parking lot. lot. Like, uh, so yeah, I don't know if they'll be able to do the shows. This is a fast moving machine and and I'm commending them for keeping up with it. And I'm sure they don't know either. Right. So, um, anyway, they, the stress levels must be through the roof. I mean, just out of this world, especially these, they're just getting their feet wet. I know it's, (laughs) this is trial by fire. You know, I was just, when, when you talk to them, like, you know, they're quick to tell you, like, you know, we've only been doing this six months on TV. Like, you know, this is a new thing right. for all of them. And uh, to have this pop up on you. like, right. it, Well, this is one of the few things where they can be like, well, you know what? Our competition doesn't know what to do here either, because it's not like anybody has any experience with this. Right. So, yeah. But um, I mean, the, obviously, the difference is that um, WWE has these established lines of revenue that have nothing to do with live events necessarily. Right. And so... um I'm not sure like how AEW's finances work or how they stand or what they rely on. Like, right. um, it, it's an interesting time for sure. So I, 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 I wish them the best of luck in, in being able to keep this going, but I certainly understand if there comes a time when they just have to put a pause on it or something. But anyway, I thought this show was extremely well done. I kind of forgot that, you know, everything was weird. Like, yeah. So it, we shouldn't, we couldn't say, um, we shouldn't go without mentioning a couple of the highlights that I thought were fantastic. Um, the star of the show who was not ever in the ring was MJF, uh, <laughs> who was just so great with both uh, Sean Spears ringside, placing bets on the various matches yes. and just being his MJF self. And then, uh, he and, and Sammy, uh, were singing the Judas effect as Chris Jericho came out to a very comic effect. And uh, I, I just thought he was great. And then Jericho brought him over on commentary. Uh, Jericho was on commentary for the main event. And uh, this was, um, pro- I mean, one of the better like guest commentary spots I've seen in years. Mm-hmm. Like he just delivered, like he, right. he was just so amazing in it. Well, what do you think of the reveals? Uh, I thought they were fine. Well, so I was actually happy that um, they didn't try to, uh, put Matt Hardy in the role of 
the exalted one. Yeah, I thought it would have been a weird fit. That made no sense to me. I know people were talking about it. I know Bleacher Report even thought that's what was coming. They, you were thinking that that's what you were going to be writing about that night. But I just that never made any sense to yeah, me. Yeah, so at we all. Had, we kind of uh, had an idea that Matt Hardy would be there, but um, I guess you know the inside scoop wasn't inside enough. Right. Like, you know, you know, Matt Hardy was there, but not, and so they assumed the exalted one, but that was not the case. Yeah. So that's why I could not, like, if I was a dirt sheet guy with that level of information, Mm -hmm. I would have just been like, yeah, Matt Hardy's the exalted one or whatever. But that's why you have to be careful Mm -hmm. because you can get a whisper and maybe it even has truth to it. Right. But um, the context of it is wrong. Right. So it's easy to screw this stuff up. I wouldn't want it. I would, like, it would, give me a heartburn to like <laughs> you know be one of these guys that just puts all that these rumors out there and yeah. just hopes they're true well um I, you know i i thought i thought i think Brody lee i don't know much about Brody lee his time wrestling in the wwe was a little bit before i was really watching um by the time i came by the time i was watching wwe again he was literally just standing behind other people um i haven't really seen him do much at all and um, some people on Twitter like push me in the direction of some of his better recent matches. So I'm going to go take a look at some of them. Just I'm just kind of interested a guy his size, like what exactly can he do and how. Yeah, does he so move? he's he's a fairly athletic, big hoss kind of wrestler. And so um, I, I think he could be good. Uh, he had when I was reviewing WWE for Bleacher Report the first time, um, he had a successful tag team at the time and they had matches with the shield and the Usos and stuff. And, uh, yeah, I think he's pretty good. He has some, some potential and people really like his indie work. So, um, of the people that could have come in for, uh, to fill this role, I think he's the one with the best opportunity to, um, to be, make it an upper mid card act as opposed to like an undercard act. So, um, okay. Well, uh, he definitely has the look. Yes. He has the look of a, of a slightly off kilter cult leader. Weirdo cult leader yeah. for sure. Um, and then he has this, this story, you know, that he's, you know, basically a reformed loser who is, you know, ready to lead other losers, uh, out of their loserdom. Yeah. So and, the, the success or failure of this is going to be entirely on how well right. he works the story and the microphone. Right. I, and, in my opinion. Yeah. And as people pointed out, um, you know, it, he gets to sort of, you know, he may, he gets to make these allusions to his time in the WWE as someone who was overlooked underutilized, not able to reach his potential. Um, So my expectation is that now that the exalted one is here, because as Christopher Daniel pointed out, you know, the, the order has made a lot of promises um, about helping people to become more successful. And it hasn't really happened now that the exalted one has arrived. I imagine that the dark order is about to see, a lot more success in AEW. At least uh, that's what you would think. As an official member, I certainly hope so. I mean, it's not really going to work as a storyline if they don't start seeing more success. Right. Otherwise, uh, you're just failures again. <laughs> <laughs> so the the challenge, one of the challenges, I think, for, uh, for Brody Lee is that he's uh, being introduced at the same time as kind of like a similar athlete in Lance Archer. Yeah. So I think that's... Um, curious that Mm -hmm. they would both come on at the same time because they they kind of have a similar look and feel to them and then lance has the advantage of having the the jake roberts uh management right and then uh so on that show he they also had filmed uh 
a skit, basically an outdoor wrestling hillbilly wrestling match in the middle of nowhere in a field somewhere with, it was like, awesome. with midgets and fat guys and wife beaters and like, um, and a then, ring girl and curlers. Yes. And then, uh, Jake has been so great. Like, I, I think it's going to be tough like that. So Brody Lee has immediate competition mm-hmm. in the kind of like the same, trying to fill the same spot with, uh, with Lance Archer. So, uh, may the best man win. <laughs> and then Matt Hardy. Yes. Um, so is this permanent? Is he a permanent member of AEW or is this a one-off or? So, yeah, I don't know. So AEW has uh, shown a willingness to bring in uh, talent for um, part-time, mm-hmm. kind of just come on for a show. Uh, you know, we saw Jeff Cobb and then we haven't seen Jeff Cobb since. Right. Like, um, uh, So it's really hard to say, like, is Matt Hardy just a temporary uh, gig uh mm-hmm. i haven't heard I, I don't know i don't know what the rumors are on that i know he did chris jericho's podcast today uh so i have not heard uh, what came out of that so right. I, I don't really know um I, I think it'll be interesting to see what uh, matt hardy can do um with the handcuffs off like right. you know last time we saw him um with kind of like a free reign he did the tremendous uh match on his ranch right. with his brother Jeff mm-hmm. uh, with, with the skits leading up to it, the dilapidated boat, the, the riding lawnmower. Um, <laughs> all that was uh, among the greatest things I've seen. Uh, most innovative kind of um, out of the box thinking that wrestling has seen in a long time. Right. Um, and, and now like there are people with those kind of ideas. Uh, you know, I think it opened up uh, a lot of uh, like kind of like a wave of weirdo wrestling stuff. So you get then the invisible man stuff. And like, uh, I think like some of that, it's like uh, Matt Hardy being a, a complete weirdo has given that, uh, wrestlers the freedom to kind of like explore, uh, things that don't normally don't feel like normal wrestling. Okay. And so, um, what he'll do now, like, is he just going to do, do well, it? Like, there's some definite other weirdos in AEW for sure. But so, uh, my hope is that uh, a couple years on, uh, he has some ideas about how to adjust and adapt this character so it doesn't just feel like um, he's doing the same act that he did in Impact, that he did in WWE, uh, that he's just bringing it to, to AEW. I think if that's the case, it's not going to work in the long term. Okay. But if he can adjust it and, and give us the Matt Hardy 4.0, um, there's a potential to, to do some interesting things. All right. Especially, I think in the in the wake of the coronavirus, um, his experience putting on shows um, in venues that are not that don't require an audience and <laughs> a, a big crew and stuff like that's an advantage, right? It like, could uh, be. You're right. So, uh, I, it, it would be cool if they immediately kind of took advantage of of his skill set there and uh, do something weird. Why not? All right. Do we have listener questions? We I do. know we asked, I know we had a bunch of questions, but truth of the matter is, again, this is kind of a different world. So we sort of dumped all those old questions from like a week ago right? and and asked for some new questions. And, and in the spirit of full disclosure, uh, part of that was because I forgot to print out the older questions as well. <laughs> so um, I would take the hit for that. If you asked a question previously, if it's an evergreen question, I'll grab it and we'll use it on another show. Okay. But as for now, I screwed that up. All right. All right. So the first question comes from Sean. Uh, two questions. I think they're both interesting. So we'll start with the first one. All right. Uh, if the ban on gatherings for events lasts three months or longer, what are the long-term time uh, effects on wrestling companies? Um, oh, so yeah, it's a tough one. I, I, 
Do you have any thoughts on that? I think WWE is like the best position to to weather it because they have other revenue streams, but then also they, they are a big company. They might have to let people go. Well, I mean, we just did their quarterly earnings report and we basically got to see how important WrestleMania and WrestleMania weekend is to them. and, And that's all gone. And we also saw how important the Saudi Arabia money is to them. And their next event is, is coming up in the spring in Saudi Arabia. If they can't travel, they don't, they're not going to get paid for that. So the idea that because they're, they're a big company that, you know, that, that they're like, you know, somehow coronavirus proof is, is certainly not true. I mean, this is going to be difficult for them as well, but, you know, not as difficult as like the small promotions that that live from show to show. Right. And, and they're, completely not able to do this. And right these now. are wrestlers as well. Like if you take the individual wrestlers, like they don't have these million dollar downside guarantees or no, like they don't have guarantees uh, at all. 150,000 on the low end or whatever WWE pays people. But, um, you know, they're literally week to week mm-hmm. uh, show to show. Yeah. Just like regular Americans. And so they need an opportunity to, to both get, uh, you know, paid and seen at these shows, but also an opportunity to sell their merchandise and like that. Those things are all gone. They are not physically possible right now. So, in some ways, the question, of course, is much bigger than wrestling. Uh, how many businesses, period, mm-hmm. are capable of withstanding three months without revenue? Right. Um, almost none. And so, uh, just as how many how many workers are capable right. of withstanding three months with no pay? Yeah, I mean we we know like statistically that most people don't have one month mm-hmm. uh, of income saved for emergencies. Uh, not placing any blame on them. That's right. just the way that capitalism has put the boot down on them. And so um, wrestling is not any different. So uh, we'll all be braving this world together, I think, and trying to figure out solutions. Um, obviously the United States, uh, where most of our listeners are, is an immensely wealthy country with a lot of resources and, and money. And so it'll just be a matter of us deciding as a group how we allocate that, those resources. Right. And, um, maybe, well, maybe mean, it doesn't have to all go to like a handful of really rich guys and, uh, we can spread it around. I don't know what the solution is, right. but it, it's definitely going to impact, um, most of the people listening just as much as, as wrestling. So I, well, I mean, just off the top of my head, some potential long-term effects is, um, will you lose some people from that pipeline, that indie pipeline, young wrestlers coming up who may decide this is too precarious. Like I, I would be better off, you know, going and working at the Amazon warehouse, which almost everyone probably would be, <laughs> you know, to get, to go to school and get a job. Like, you know, that's, for 98% of people, that's going to end up being, would have been a better move. Um, I, I hate to squash artistry that way. Right, right. And I, you know, but that's just the truth. Most yeah. people aren't going to make it, ever make a stable living in wrestling. And uh, then there's the the kind of realization that I think a lot of people might have, which is um, living a life without health insurance or access to health care just may not be a future you can stomach anymore. Like that just maybe you can't, maybe can't, we can't do that anymore. Right. So the question then is like, so it doesn't mean you have to get some kind of office job that offers like employer-based insurance, or do we move to a system where your insurance isn't tied to like a specific job the way most uh, modern countries work? So that, I mean, that'll be a question we have to answer as a a people. Mm -hmm. 
right now we, it's need like neither nothing is what we're doing now is not working i think in my opinion right and so w- what direction we go with it i don't know but these are bigger than wrestling questions but wrestlers are, in particular are, are right in that class of people who don't have the kind of job like gcw is not offering like a health plan right you know you're just working there occasionally mm-hmm. every weekend or every 5 weeks or whatever the case is like that's not the kind of job where you get a health plan right and so it's um wrestlers are particularly in a precarious position much like freelance writers or like other other well, creative jobs well all the way jobs. up the chain to to folks who sometimes are also wrestlers who promote shows and we've seen online people who you know they're getting stuck with with big bills they're seeing, you know, their their most profitable events uh, canceled. Um, yeah, they might start thinking this is not the business for me. Right. Not when not when something like this can come along and, and in a month or two months, like you know, basically ruin everything I've built up. Yeah, I mean, and it's already like uh, independent wrestling is mostly a a subset that's produced by people who love wrestling, mm-hmm. and so. Um, I've talked to a lot of independent promoters. I don't think a lot of people are making a lot of money doing this. No. And so it's a passion project and maybe it doesn't, you're not so passionate about it if you lose a bunch of money right. because the, you know, events are getting canceled all over the place. Yeah. It's tricky. All right. What's next? All right. So his other, his two part, the second part of his question was, do you think Vince calls it COVID-19 coronavirus or the Chinese virus? <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, I would not be surprised if he calls it the Chinese virus. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, uh, Vince and his wife, his wife was a member of the Trump cabinet. All the Trump people are calling it the Chinese virus for some reason, because, um, well, he's also just very old. Yes. And it feels like something that my grandfather would do. Well, so also like the way that, um, that Vince is described, uh, as being like so singularly focused on WWE and stuff like um, there's a very good chance that like someone had to like explain to him like, hey, there's a pandemic. A lot, <laughs> a lot of people are dying. They're getting the flu. Like, and he's you think like, that's why it took what's the so deal here, pal? To, to... Why don't they just not get the flu? They don't have any discipline. They're out there sneezing and coughing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, be terrible for him. Oh, he, he probably hates it. So, um, yeah, I think for sure he probably calls it the Chinese virus. Although maybe he doesn't call it anything at all because people have noted that on WWE television, um, even though they've had they're doing these empty arena shows and they're they've had to cancel WrestleMania as an event, like um, they have never said the name, uh, they've never said why, they've never mentioned the coronavirus. Oh, on their, that's weird. On their Is television. that true? Like it's like that's an enemy and you can't mention it. Like you wouldn't mention WCW or something. I don't, I don't know. Oh, that's really strange. I have not studied that and I cannot independently verify it, but people on Twitter are suggesting that. Oh, well, I mean, it's like completely insignificant as this podcast is. Like I wanted to be absolutely certain that we started this episode, you know, explaining what situation we were in. Cause if I ever go back and listen to any of this, like I wanted to remember that like, you know, this is what was happening now. Like that's, that's too bad if they really don't ever uh, insert that into any of their shows, like within, you know, 10 years or something, people will totally forget why yeah. they'll totally forget, you know, why what, were you doing all these here? shows yeah. in this empty arena? All right. So, uh, Danny Cheeseburger asks, uh, this is a repeat of his previous question, uh, how would you guys fantasy book WrestleMania? 
all WWE brand rosters are available, which I guess is more true than ever since there is no NXT show anymore, as far as I can tell. Um, I don't know. Last week they just did a clip show. But I, I mean, guess, like basically. the the takeover that would have been the night before yeah, WrestleMania. They, They've moved WrestleMania to two nights, so I, I assume that means NXT is is yeah, not doing. Yeah, as far doing... as I can tell, they're not having a takeover. So, um, I can give you my short answer to this: is mm-hmm. that uh, I just can't build up a, a level of care <laughs> about anything going on in WWE to the point where I would like fantasy book it. I don't give a shit. Well, whatever. So let me just, the card that they had it was for this year was like the opposite of anything I would ever book. Um, f- first and foremost, um, I want Triple H on my show. So I wanted, the my favorite, the match I really wanted to see, mm-hmm. it, uh, so I'm totally um, lying. So I did have a fantasy match. Okay. Um, it was Triple H against CM Punk. A returning CM Punk, I thought, would be a great rival match for, for Triple H. Um, two guys that legit hate each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the fans would have been crazy for that. I thought that would be cool. That was a match I was hoping to see. Instead, it looks like neither is going to wrestle. Well, I would book... I, I mean, I need Triple H in a match. I need a fabulous Triple H entrance. And damn it, this year or next year or whenever, it, I need Stephanie there with him. Like, I'm still not over the fact that she wasn't there the last time. But um, yeah, I, first I gotta, I need that. Um, in no card that I would ever create, would you have either Goldberg or the undertaker? <laughs> no, agreed. <laughs> no, they're not there. Um, I'm not, I I'm fine with Cena, but I'm not that match against the fiend doesn't interest me. So I mean, we've I need seen a better match. Yeah, with we, Cena. We've seen that match. Uh, he wasn't called the fiend at the time, but I mean, it's a lousy match. I don't think it's going to be any different just because he's wearing clown makeup. Um, I'm not into it. But I, you know, so I mean, the roster that I have to choose from because they're, you know, they're like you look at like Daniel Bryan and Drew Gulak, mm-hmm. like them as a team. Like, um, so I don't even think they're with WWE anymore. But they, that would have been a good tag team match with like the Revival. I think that would have been a cool. The wrestling. Revival is gone. I don't know. It seems like they've maybe disappeared. <laughs> It's really hard to tell with the WWE roster because sometimes people just don't show up on TV for a very long time and then suddenly they're just back again. Or or I could go Daniel Bryan Gulak against uh, Rollins and Buddy Murphy would be a fun tag match. Oh, yeah, that's that's an okay tag match. Um, but I just... I don't, I don't really know. like right Lesnar now... and McIntyre as a match. I, it just doesn't do anything for me. Um, right now with the, with the rosters that they have, it's just, I'm not really sure what I've could have, could have booked right now that I would have been that excited about, but you know, that's, you know, that's why you need good buildup because you can make me excited about things I've never even thought about before. But you know, like, you know, if they had just made slightly different choices, I think like I could have been really excited for Keith Lee against Lesnar. Oh yeah. I could have been really excited if you brought Walter in to fight somebody. Earlier in the year, I thought that I thought the two champions were going to be Daniel Bryan and Brock Lesnar, and I wanted a title unification match. Yeah, I mean, that that would have been great too. So maybe we do have some ideas. It's just like it's not the kind of ideas that they're going to have, and so it just seems like a waste of time to me. Um, 
to fantasy and, and fantasy booking is just like kind of like an extension of like complaining about the booking and being like, oh, I can't believe WWE did this or like. See, I, with and WWE, I don't want that energy. I completely agree, but I do quite a bit of fantasy booking of New Japan and AEW in my head, and of course they don't a hundred percent like it doesn't a hundred percent match what is going on in my head. But a lot of times it does. And no, when it does, absolutely. it is fabulous. Well, that's the thing is that like, so you feel like the people who run those companies are at least somewhat on the wavelength that you are as a fan. At least that's how I feel about watching New Japan and AEW. Right. And a lot of the times like you actually get what you want mm-hmm. and you get to see the people you like and the company values them just as much as you do. And the performers care about the matches that they're in and it works out really well. Right. That's really fun. Um, the thing about like trying yeah, you're to- watching that tag match from revolution and like just melting into the floor because it's so perfect you can't stand it yeah and the, <laughs> everything to the point that the guys are using the golden trigger and stuff like uh, the just the little beats too like so they get everything even the little stuff right yeah um the thing about fantasy booking wrestlemania is like you can't even really do it because you know like okay you pick out a fantasy match you want to see and immediately you're just like yeah but ww would fuck that up <laughs> Even if even if they cared enough to book it, if they cared about the same kind of matches that we cared about as fans, they would still screw it up. Mm. Um, that's my experience with them over the last twenty years. Um, so I, I I don't I can't devote the emotional energy into caring that much. Like occasionally they they land on something by accident that I really like, like uh, Daniel Bryan winning the championship at WrestleMania thirty. Um, most of the time they're not going to hit that. And they, they were forced into that. So uh, given their own whims and inclinations, it's always going to be something that I don't really care about. All right. So uh, so we're clear. Triple H, fabulous entrance. Stephanie's there. Shane falls off something. Of course, yes. Yeah. WrestleMania. There you go. <laughs> That's it. Book, Book it. Booked. <laughs> All right. So uh, depressing question from Rich Bernal. Oh, no. Uh, wants to know, do you think Double or Nothing will be canceled or relocated? Okay. Um, so, I mean, it definitely is looking like things are going to be canceled into May. Uh, yeah, so it's the end of May. Um, I mean, it is beyond depressing to think that we would still be in this situation at the end of May. And I'm not just talking about wrestling because, right. I mean, it would just be a terrible situation for, for everyone. Um, but the way they're they're talking... Is that, I mean, we could be in this for a long time. Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly considering the fact. I mean, we don't, we didn't book any hotels or anything. I mean, we're definitely kind of thinking that yeah. it might, it well, might we've got to the, probably we've won't got, happen. We've got the flights and the tickets, so that was enough. Um, um, I mean, we, you know, we've. I don't think they'll relocate it. I would imagine that they would do it I in Las Vegas. I don't think there's any way to relocate it. Where do you mean at a later time someplace else or did you mean just put it but in you, a different place there's no place to relocate it at the end of may if you can't do it in vegas you're likely not going to be able to do it anywhere well so vegas is a little different though because they've got the the, the masses of people and stuff like they've closed down the the las vegas boulevard and stuff is my understanding and so vegas is kind of closed down whereas like if they moved it to bumfuck montana Maybe they could do a show, but do they want to? That's I mean, the thing, and and the, and the situation is such that if they feel the need to to still have Vegas locked down, then probably every major city is going to be locked down. So where would you take it? Like, so relocating it for the end of May seems very unlikely. I don't really see the point in a pay per view with no audience. 
So I would just cancel rather than try to do the pay-per-view. Yeah, this is turning into a depressing podcast. I mean, this is just the reality of, of, you know, coronavirus. Right. So um, Dante Rose asks, will New Japan Pro Wrestling and AEW ever have a working relationship sometime down the line? This has been a consistent question on this podcast and i'm sure on the internet like uh god i hope so that the the, the, (laughs) you know so many of the fans kind of like intermingle in the sense that like a a lot of AEW fans were new japan fans because the you know most of the primary wrestlers from new japan or from AEW were once new japan wrestlers and still are in some cases so i mean you know they they followed kenny and they followed the young bucks and they saw chris jericho and now they've seen moxley like um so yeah, there's a lot of crossover. Mm-hmm. There'd be a lot of interest in that. Right. Uh, I think it would be great for New Japan. I'm not sure what it would do for AEW besides have some cool matches. Right. Like, do you need a bunch of uh, work rate non English speaking guys to come over and have matches? I don't know. Like, maybe it'd be interesting to do like a, a one like kind of pay per view where it's like our guys against your guys. That would be pretty cool, especially if like to. Uh, good pals ended well, up across from each other. one of the things other. that, you know, when Tony Khan supposedly went off on New Japan that he basically mentioned was some of our guys have been on your shows, but none of your guys have shown up on our shows. So what's the deal? And so, you know, that's kind of how I would like to see it. Like, you know, Tanahashi doing a match, Okada doing a match, Kodobushi doing a match. Like, not like a melding together of the two companies, but like some guest starring roles um, leading up to and including a pay-per-view. I, I would be into it, obviously. Obviously. So uh, I, I'm hopeful. Uh, I'm in the most recent interview that the president of New Japan did with Sports Illustrated. You know, he said, we don't have a relationship now, but they're doing good things. We're keeping our eye on them. So, I mean... I don't know. Oh, you're you're trying to grow your brand in America. They have national television. You lost your television contract in the U.S. And, and also, no one watched that channel. I mean, that's just the fact. It's not they weren't even had didn't even let Nielsen like grade them. Like they, <laughs> no one watched that channel. And so, um, it's it would be huge for them for mm-hmm. New Japan. I think they should be the ones um, making concessions and trying to make this relationship work. It's bigger for them than it is for AEW right now, I think. And so um, I, I hope they I hope they stop being stubborn. I'd love to see it. Okay. All right. So um, we talked about this a little bit. Jay Sandlin asked what works and what does not work about the empty arena shows. How could they be improved? Um, so I, we talked quite a bit about that. Um, one thing that I wanted to mention, though, that I really liked about uh, the AEW show was the insertion of the, the Lance Archer skit. Mm-hmm. The, the 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 kind of uh, something they had filmed somewhere else. Um, I thought that was really cool, and mm-hmm. and uh, they have the they have great things that could be television features every week on Road Two, and uh, with some professional help uh, being the elite as well. Uh, I, I think they have ideas that could fit on a wrestling right. television show that don't require uh, filming them in the an empty arena or whatever, like, you know, you could do those kind of things. You could have the sit down interviews with Jim Ross, uh, the high quality, um, professionally shot ones, you know, uh, 
those character building moments. I think that they, they too often leave off dynamite could be inserted onto a, an empty arena dynamite very easily. Right. I'm going to tell you some of the things I thought AEW did right that WWE messed up on. Um, delivering those promos in the middle of the ring to no one is difficult. And you have to be really dynamic to get that right. And one of the things that AEW did was allow a couple of people to essentially cut some promos, but what they were really doing is being interviewed by Tony Schiavone ringside, or Schiavone, I say that wrong every time, sorry. <laughs> and so it, you know, it, because it was more like an interview and less like standing in the middle of a ring in an empty arena trying to give a promo, it, I thought it worked so much better. And that's really something that WWE could easily move to um, if they were better at doing that. Right. So the superscriptive nature <laughs> of WWE really shine through in these, uh, not just the promos though, but also the way that their matches are so heavily choreographed yes. to be like same, same. Yes. And, 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 and they need those beats that involve the audience right. and with no audience there. It just looks wrong. None of them knew how to do it. Mm-mm. And so like, that's where you saw like people doing idiotic things, like still doing their audience poses and like doing stuff, um, audience engagement things that made no sense right. because they don't know any other way. It's just, this is the match they know. This is exactly how they do it every time. And so, um, yeah, I thought WWE was really um, exposed a little bit in, right. in this. Uh, well, I just felt like it was the, their attitude. It felt like they had the attitude. Of yeah, like, we don't give a shit about well, this. Well, it's just like, well, we have, filler. we have to do this for a little bit. Right. I mean, we just, AEW seemed to attack it from like, this might be our life for a while. And so this, we have, this is how we have to do it. Like, well, it's very different in the sense that I'm not saying that people at WWE don't care about the presenting a good show, but uh, having talked to them, you can tell at AEW, like they want every week to, to be special. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how long that can be true, but it seems to, they seem to be doing a good job of it. So, when they're confronted with a situation like this empty arena show, instead of just saying like, oh, this is something we'll get through, mm-hmm. which is, I think, what WWE said, exactly. like, how are we going to get through this? Mm-hmm. Uh, they said, um, how can we make this good? Right. How can we do the best job with this? And it's a very different approach. And you could see it. You could feel it. Right. Uh, I feel that every week. Right. But, um, and, you know, I saw people online say, well, what are they going to do? Because they had their two big reveals on this show. That's true. I mean, they, they honestly, did. honestly, I'm be honest. Those were not my favorite parts of the show. My favorite parts of the show were MJF. My favorite parts of the show were having the little, um, you know, the little touches like that Sammy, you know, s- continued to sing Judas after they cut the music, like the audience would. Only like it appeared that he was like kind of just singing to Jericho, <laughs> and Jericho was just loving it that you know Sammy was up down there singing his song or whatever. Um, the you could see like um, the wrestlers. Like first there was MJF and uh, Sean Spears betting on the matches. You could see the the baby face wrestlers like really cheering the guys on over on the side and stuff it was little stuff like that 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 i actually really enjoyed and oh and and just and they started a feud between colt cabana and kip sabian like out of nowhere sort of and it's just like that little kind of stuff made it super interesting and fun i'm a wrestler too yeah is what he said um yeah so I, i don't know i thought AEW did great um 
I don't think there's anything that from WWE that I would take and as a lesson learned and like a, a best practice or whatever. I think that they did a, a kind of a bad job. Yeah. I mean, if there was one thing, it was that uh, Triple H is pretty fun on commentary. That's about the only good he, thing he, I can say. He was fun, but he also lent the air of like, this is not normal stuff. You know, mm-hmm. this is not anything important. I'm joking around out here. Right. Um, I don't know if it was the right. I enjoyed it in the moment. I don't know if it was the right tone, though. Right. So it kind of set the the standard for everyone, which is like, we're only taking this half serious. So, um, yeah. What worked was what AEW did. Do that. Do more of that. (laughs) Um, So Alex Greenfeld, who is a former um, writer for WWE and MLW, uh, wants to know uh, top five Japanese wrestling gateway drug matches. What guy, What would you guys show people if you're trying to get them hooked on Japanese wrestling? Okay. And so um, I was yeah, so kind of going to defer that to you in the sense that uh, right. I've been watching this for 20 plus years now. Right. So and I like, sort of felt like you and I might automatically have different ideas because I know you look a lot at like past stuff. Well, that's what got me right. connected to and, it. But and, like, and a lot of those guys, they don't wrestle anymore or they're dead. Yeah. Almost none of the people that I right. would have thought and, of. And for me... Uh, part of the joy of watching wrestling is following people's careers. Like I would want to be introduced to people who are still active. Yeah. I think it's important because what would be like you say, like you show them a a match with um, Misawa and you're like, Oh, but Oh, but he's uh, sorry. He died trying to play in the ring. <laughs> like that's a, I don't think you lead with that. I think you lead with something like you can get enthusiastic about and then continue to follow and find more of. So right. I think you're right. Yeah. So um, you're a more recent convert than mm-hmm. I am because I was converted on stuff like the super J cup 94, <laughs> which now is like, you know, ancient history. Right. Right. Um, so what, 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 what are some of the things that made you think like, man, I'm really into this. Um, well, so Obviously, we've talked about it before. You really got me into it by uh, showing me some Kenny Omega matches. And they kind of kind of started with Kenny Omega Okada matches, which I don't necessarily think is the best place to start because, you know, I love those matches, but, you know, they're a slog. Like, they're long and <laughs> yeah, I, involved. I, I, I think that, yeah, you, you saw those matches as uh, – I that was less like me, like, here's the ideal thing to show you. And more like I'm watching this and into it. And you're like, right. Hey, what is this thing? But you're watching? I mean, I definitely saw two guys like that. I want to see more of. So I actually really like, I mean, I always suggest to anybody who asks, um, Kota Ibushi and Nakamura from Wrestle Kingdom nine. And is it nine? Yes, I think okay. so. Yeah. And, um, I, I, I love that match. It's, um, brutal, impressive, both of those guys are still active. You can enjoy their library of works in different promotions, but also go and watch what they're doing right now in two different promotions. Um, so you can like can continue to follow them. Um, and I like I would definitely show people um, some of Kenny's work in New Japan through the years, both as like a, a junior heavyweight and also than when he became like a champion in heavyweight. Uh, so the, uh, a match I really liked was uh, Kenny and Ibushi against uh, Apollo 55, which was uh, Finn Balor and, and Taguchi. Mm-hmm. And you um, can, all of those people still active. Yes. But that was just really fun. And, and I, I've always kind of been maybe because this is how it happened for me, but I, I think that um, 
junior heavyweight wrestling is more accessible than heavyweight wrestling uh, to like someone who hasn't really watched a lot of wrestling. Just the impressiveness of the spots and some of the athleticism mm-hmm. is a is a good like way to get hooked. And like back in my day, it was Jushin Liger and Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko or, or um, and Rey Mysterio Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of those Rey Mysterio Jr. You can still watch, <laughs> you can still but. Watch. Um, you know, the the modern equivalent, I think a, a match that a lot of people could really get into would be like Will Ospreay against Hiromu. That's what I was going to recommend. Yeah. Like if I was going to, if I was thinking about showing them a, a modern junior heavyweight match, I would definitely show them that match. Was that the um, first or second day of Wrestle Kingdom this year? I don't remember. It was one of the days of Wrestle Kingdom this year. It was one, year. One, of the, one of the day, one of the two days from, from Wrestle Kingdom. Um, and then I think... For me, because I'm, I'm showing my friend, right? Right. Um, I would probably show them like four matches in that vein. You know, definitely um, wrestlers that you can still watch, whether in in New Japan or another Japanese promotion, or um, you know, now some of them have moved over here to the states. After showing them four, I would then want to introduce them for sure to Yano. <laughs> and. Um, People who, uh, there's like a subset of hardcore wrestling fans who hate Yano. Well, and then so like easy. almost everyone uh, from outside like immediately loves Yano. Yeah, and it would be so easy if I showed you these four matches to think that they're maybe, you know, what they're, that that's all there was to it is just, you know, this action and work rate and everything. But I then I definitely, that fifth match, I would introduce you to Yano. And if I've already shown you a bunch of Kenny matches, I guess I have to pick a different Yano match. <laughs> but the, the Yano but Kenny match from the 2017 G1, G1 Climax is, is, is just really great. Although Yano. You, the Yano Moxley, Moxley match yeah, this, might be a good. So this that's past G1. That's the other thing that, like, um, uh, I'm not saying that everyone is racist, but like, uh, I do think it tends to help. Like some of the matches that work best as gateway drugs, in my experience, are ones that have a familiar talent in them. Um, back in the day, maybe that was uh, Chris Benoit or Terry Funk or Mick Foley, if you're watching the death matches and stuff like that. Um, Vader, if you're watching Shoot Style, like you'd say, oh, I know Vader. Here he is in this Japanese match against Nobuhiko Takada. And that's like your, it eases you into it with that familiar face. So it might it might be helpful. To, to show um, a match that has um, Moxley, who people know, with Yano. That would be cool. And maybe it would make sense to show um, one of the matches with uh, AJ Styles against Suzuki or something. Or, or, you know, something. give them something they're familiar with in a different context mm-hmm. is, is a good way to get people hooked on it. Now, if they don't know wrestling at all, that you can strike that. But if it's a wrestling fan trying to get into Japanese wrestling, I think it's helpful to show them uh, an American wrestler that they know in this kind of in this new setting. That's a good starting point. Yeah. Well, so I'm always going to probably start you with like Kota Ibushi and Nakamura. And if you don't like that, then I'm kind of done with you. (laughs) I'm not wasting any more of my time. Thank you very much. You're done with. uh, it, It is kind of different. Like, um, uh, in in my day, not to be an in my day guy, but um, like you're old enough to be uh, one of those guys. So in the the '90s Japanese wrestling scene, it was kind of like there was a 
this question would be very different because uh, there's such a diversity of styles. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there was a, a garbage wrestling scene. There was like the, the kind of proto deathmatch scene with the Anita, who was like one of the most electric baby faces in, in the country, like working stadium shows with just like this promotion built around him doing these crazy <laughs> death matches uh, where like the ring would blow up and stuff. Like, so that would be something that you really have to see. And then there's like a guy like Takata having this incredible match with Vader in a very different style of wrestling then you have Jushin Thunder Liger wrestling people like Eddie Guerrero uh, as Black Tiger and Mm -hmm. stuff like that uh, wrestling Benoit (laughs) and and, and stuff like that which was is pretty uh, electric uh, great uh, Sasuke and the Michinoko Pro stuff like in this like exciting junior heavyweight style Um, all that was happening at the same time as Joshi wrestling was at its prime Mm -hmm. with Manami Toyota in in a way and um, Bonacano and all these other people like it was just such an exciting time to be a wrestling fan in Japan whereas now like um, whereas and then that's not even talking about all Japan and Misawa and Kobashi and Kawada and all these guys like (laughs) I mean just uh, these are all promotions that I'm talking about that are running like major arenas and stuff right like so there's a wrestling is huge Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of it yes and and now it's pretty much like there's New Japan and there's like everyone else at a, at a little lower level mm-hmm. and then uh, so there's not there's not the same energy around the scene right. that there used to be and so um basically if you don't really like the new japan style uh, it's probably not necessary to become invested in japanese wrestling i mean there is a little bit of truth to that like it's less vital as a scene than it ever has been like uh, it used to be that was where all the great wrestling took place in my opinion, and and everything in America, I think, was a distinctly a step below for the, for the most part. Uh, I don't know that that's true anymore. And so, like, um, if you don't like New Japan, then maybe you don't have to watch it. Like, the, you know, it's <laughs> not, there's nothing that's so outlandishly better. You know, we've caught up. Right. USA. USA. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. All right. So that kind of digress there. <laughs> What what else? That's it. That's the last question. That's the last question. All so right. it's like it's like wrestling. It's like we we normally this is the point where we say you you tell me like what's coming up. Yeah, and, and like, I'm dang, afraid that what I knows? have to tell you is I don't know what's coming up. Um, just tonight we got a promise from you know CEO Tony Khan that AEW would have weekly live shows, uh, but they're not going to do um, Blood and Guts as scheduled. I noticed that during right, this but that's past- a that, I mean, much respect to Tony Khan, mm-hmm. but I mean that's not a promise anyone could make. No, because if it's one really if not. one AEW wrestler has the coronavirus, it could be they all do. Yes, and so the, he that could be a promise that's that you can't keep. Right, and they or maybe it gets bad enough that they shut. They say you, no one leaves their home. Yes, um, the, it's beyond the control of wrestling promoters, I, without a doubt. Um, and, you know, we, WWE has moved to these, you know, perform, you know, at the performance center. But like you said, if Florida goes on lockdown, um, they're not, people are not going to be able to travel. They're not going to be able to fly in. They're not going to be able to work there. So I honestly cannot tell you what's going to happen. Well, this, so the, the, the thing they're telling media is that, um, WWE is going to do WrestleMania from multiple locations. Some of it's going to be pre-taped, probably. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, 
it's 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 such a moving target right yeah my understanding is that wwe is attempting to pre-tape as much stuff as they possibly can but then you start thinking about stuff like um travel from other countries Mm -hmm. um brock lesnar lives in canada Mm -hmm. is brock lesnar in the united states right now or is brock lesnar going to be trapped in canada that's what i'm saying just a probably a few hours from now i believe so So, i mean i i really don't know i mean we we don't know what's coming nope i will if you were listening to this podcast to get all the answers (laughs) (laughs) unfortunately that was that was a bad choice right i it's it's crazy i we don't know what all state and local and federal governments are going to do so I, i i don't know we should have done more research but um, I mean, that's just where we are right now. I, mean, I don't so know. I'm the great thing about wrestling, though, watch Twitter and see what's what they're telling me. It's different than other sports, in which, like other sports, I think for the most part, only the games that are happening right now are like kind of vital. There's not like a huge audience for like going back and watching a bunch of old games. There's like some weirdos that watch ESPN Classic <laughs> and stuff, but for the most part, that's not a thing that exists. Right. Whereas with wrestling, I think it can be just as vital and vibrant. Uh, no matter when it took place, if you're seeing, you know, when you watch it on the WWE Network or the or New Japan World, mm-hmm. or you watch it on DDT, you watch it on Stardom, you watch it on IWTV. Right. These are all options for you to find like all kinds of great wrestling programming. And so, um, even if we would all hate to miss uh, our favorite contemporary stuff, right. the thing, the great thing about wrestling is that like it, it exists out there for us to to enjoy and love. And, and find new things and new favorites. And, and um, all these companies have made it super easy to do so. Right. And so I, I think um, if, it, if it all goes away, it doesn't really all go away because it's, you know, we can always go back and, and watch some past favorites. Well, that's exactly what I've been doing. I mean, um, I haven't really watched any of the programming that New Japan has put out. They've done like talk shows and interviews and stuff you know, just to try to keep people still engaged with, you know, the current roster. Um, but what I've actually been doing is going back and what they've been adding a whole, as much stuff, I think, as quickly as they can to their archives to to try to show people like it's worth holding on to this subscription, even when there aren't new shows, because we're adding all this old stuff. And and really, they've been reading my mind with this stuff because it's been a lot of like junior heavyweight Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi and stuff. So it's been great. It's a lot of matches I haven't gotten to see before. And um, also Ring of Honor has added a lot of stuff to their YouTube channel and they say they're about ready to have that big Ring of Honor archives, which honestly, Ring of Honor is sitting on a treasure trove of, uh, you know, wrestling from the yeah, 2000s. So, so I interviewed their um, their COO, I think, last year. And, and they were telling me, like, so their intention is to... Uh, Ring of Honor has like a decade plus of all of the most vital and important wrestling stars in the world, like mm-hmm. from Brian Danielson to, um, to Seth and like, uh, Kevin Owens, Samoa Joe, like most people who are big stars today, uh, to include Kenny and Cody yeah. and the young bucks and, you know, both sides, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> both sides have great ring of honor pedigrees. And, uh, they, they're sitting on all these matches for the most part, uh, because they have music rights issues. Mm -hmm. And so uh, much like you see with new Japan, where like uh, you have to edit out the music, right? Somebody has to go in and cover up the music. They're not allowed to use for every single match for every show for 20 years or whatever. Um, So it's a, it's a huge, 
it's a huge task and it's not like a company with a lot of resources. So that's kind of been the, the slog mm-hmm. is, is getting, getting rid of this music uh, that they're not allowed to use. And so um, that's been the holdup for right. getting it. But the moment that they do, now, why they haven't done it more progressively and like as they get something done, why they don't throw it up, Right. I don't know. But um, Well, I think they are sort of trying to race to get it finished. Because, it would immediately be like must right. subscribe. Right. And well, and like every, you know, like any of these other subscription services, they're not going to be able to provide you new content. So they have to try to convince you that it's worth holding on to these subscriptions for the archives, for the old content. And so I think they're really racing to try to get that out there, um, you know, so one just goodwill you'll have something else to watch during this time but also because they don't want you to drop that subscription because they're not providing you with new content right. and ring so, of honor has canceled everything until june with our like tiny little audience here maybe what we could do is um kind of curate some stuff if there's not going to be new wrestling we right. don't really know that yet but if, if, if for sure there's not going to be new wrestling uh, we could like say hey this week uh, Christina and I are going to watch this, this, and this, and you guys can watch it too. And then we'll talk about it on, on the podcast. Like that's something we could think about because, you know, I, we were just talking today online with like some guys talking about like, there's so much great wrestling. Like we're talking about the B shows from WCW in the late nineties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's like WCW worldwide and stuff like this. This is a syndicated show, not nitro and thunder. Right. Um, and they would have like these weird matches like Randy Savage versus the Ultimo Dragon and Ric Flair versus the Luchador Lismark Jr. And like, <laughs> you know, there would be like Rick Martel would be on there and Mike Enos and like Jerry Flynn and all these guys like um, Jerry Flynn on there. <laughs> like, and they just did like they had this great weirdo show. It's kind of like in some ways it feels like a little bit like one of these better indie shows where it's just like we're going to grab a, this a grab bag of different <laughs> stuff and we're just tossing it out there. And uh you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like overly supervised, right? Because like the, the political players didn't give a crap what was on worldwide. So they were able to do a bunch of weirdo stuff and it's really cool. Did and, you like, seriously, did you just mention Jerry Lynn? Cause you know, he was actually sitting he was, he was there at the AEW Dynamite show. Oh no, no. You're talking about Jerry Lynn. Oh, you said Jerry Flynn. Jerry Flynn is My a, bad. A, a wrestler with a tremendous uh, dark mullet who was also in the uh, Japanese shoot style wrestler for a time. So uh, no, that's Jerry Flynn. Jerry Lynn is an actual like good wrestler. <laughs> okay. Not an ironically good wrestler. Oh, okay. Um, My bad. But no, yeah. Jerry Lynn is an agent for AEW. Right. Helps put the I matches just, together. But it's just like, it's just one of those things that's always so so funny to me to think about people that we watched decades ago and and then they're like they're still there they're like their faces are still there on the shows that you see in various uh, you know ways um even today oh yeah sure like Dean malenko and billy gunn you see all these yes. guys when you go to AEW. And... It, it sort of cracks me up just a little bit <laughs> yeah. 